Hello, everybody. It's Brian Janikowski. Uh, Thursday, September the 20th. Welcome back to our podcast. I'm Christian Thwaites. I'm Emily Taken-Verts, and let's get started with this week's market chat. So, Christian, uh, another earnings season is a couple of weeks away. We've got a blackout period in share buybacks. Um, but tell us what we can expect um, from this upcoming earning, earnings season. Well, um, I, th- I think companies have, uh, have basically kept the narrative pretty positive. Um, so we've, we've, we saw strong GDP growth and earnings in the second quarter. There's been not a lot of concern from corporate America about any reason to decrease earnings and guidance. Now, we thought there probably would be because of all the tariffs. And that was showing up in the Fed's beige book, where a lot of uh, companies from the, from the 12 Fed districts were saying, hey, we're concerned about import price increases, steel, aluminum obviously were done some time ago, and then other import feed prices coming through and those going up, and would it translate through to a, a lower sort of earnings uh, forecast? But it, it hasn't really yet. And um, so I don't think that's going to be a big downward drag on earnings. So in the absence of a downward drag, we've still got this enormous uh, tailwind of um, the corporate tax cut decreases. So, you know, we're entering the the third quarter where companies are, you know, pulling through their income tax at a rate of uh, an effective rate of sort of 18 to 18% versus, you know, high 20s and at a maximum rate, you know, 35 versus 22 now. So that's going to be continue to show some pretty good earnings, especially year over year. So, so far, I think it's going to be a, a quite a good earnings uh, season. The other one is the uh, strength of the dollar, which we've talked about for a while and does affect the S&P 500 earnings especially. Um, but uh, that that has tailed off a little bit and it's um, a, and the accounting will be done at the end of the period. So it's really the spot price. Most companies just take the spot price at the end of the quarter as opposed to an average rolling or something like that. So yeah, there's not a lot to uh, at the moment to disappoint earnings. Really the question is, they might be good, but how much is priced in? And I think at this point, given that we're at another record high of the S&P this week, uh, quite a lot has been priced in at this point. So that was my follow-up question in terms of, is, is this what the, the market is reacting to in terms of a potential strong earnings season? Um, you know, they didn't. The, the market didn't seem to, to pay much attention to the extra $200 billion announced this week in tariffs. Um, are they just kind of putting that aside for now and looking at this upcoming earnings season? Yes, I think they are. And, uh, you know, you bring an interesting point about the tariffs and the common wisdom. And, you know, we felt somewhat this ourselves was that, you know, that would be fairly disruptive to American businesses. And, uh, you know, especially as a lot of the Chinese goods are not so much the finished products, which are mostly kind of cheap retail stuff. And that's been a lot of that's been exempted at least until December, because the administration knows perfectly well that that's going to hit the consumer pretty hard and you know quite frankly they'd rather that that they bit they be hit hard after the elections rather than before mm-hmm. and they've also exempted the big items like the uh, computers and the apple products uh, so anyway so those are going on right now and uh, they haven't that they they haven't yet really sort of hurt a lot a lot of confidence mm-hmm. um, and um, you know I, I think people are thinking about the look arounds and it does make sense because the numbers which are thrown around, like you know, 20, 10% on $500 billion, 
Well, if you break out what they're actually, the actual increase in, uh, in tariffs is going to cost the American consumer, let's say, or American economy, about $60 billion. Well, that's pretty meager in a $20 trillion economy. That's less than 0.3% of growth. And uh, um, it, it's certainly not enough to offset the uh, cuts in, uh, in, in personal income taxes, mm -hmm. which, which are worth more like about $250 billion a year. So 250 gross, maybe take off worst case $60 billion in tariffs, but there won't be that much because the volume will decrease down. Um, and, I, and I think people are looking, hey, this is, this is a lot of headlines, but in terms of actual, increase, actual damage to corporate earnings, it happens, hasn't happened yet or where it's happened has been very isolated, and for every you know steel importer who now faces you know higher import goods, there's a domestic manufacturer ready to make up the difference. So you know it's not quite as clean as that, but I just think that it hasn't been taken as much of an alarm as um, as some of the headlines uh, thought about it. We've also been doing it for nine months now, so the market's getting a little you know has heard the story about mm -hmm. trade off and on for quite a bit. So you think that it is unlikely that we will see, or U.S. consumers will see, um, large uh, price raising um, due to these tariffs? No, I don't, I, I don't think so. It's going to come through in some items, you know, low-end low apparel, uh, plastic goods and so on. But, but a lot of what we import from China are intermediate goods. I mean, the, the things that they have, the, obviously the rare earths is the most, one of the most prominent ones, but the rare earth minerals, over 17,000 tons, which are sent from China to the US, are made into something else, you know, a higher value goods uh, product. And so, you know, there it's a question of whether the final finisher of that, uh, of the, of that product decides to absorb the cost or pass it on. But yeah, I, I think the the inflation increases uh, will be will be fairly muted. There's still mm -hmm. a fair amount of um, you know of, of of downward pressure on on inflation, which we don't really think is, expect to see a big a rig runaway number in inflation. Although the last print at the headline level was about two point nine percent, the two the core rate was was much lower than that two two point one two point two, and even that might fade down a little bit over the next uh, few months. Let's move to the bond market. Um, Ten-year treasuries passed the three three uh, percent yield mark this week. What does this mean? How do you read this? Yeah. Well, uh, th th there are some actual um, uh, seasonal effects going on. With uh, uh, th there are some seasonal effects both in the equity market, which we can discuss later or at a different time, and in the bond market. And the biggest seasonal effect, treasury market right now, has been that up until September the fifteenth. Companies with a pension deficit could uh, fund those deficits using the old corporate tax rate. So they could deduct them at a rate of 35% rather than 22 So it was highly attractive, in fact, irresponsible if they didn't start doing that and buying treasuries over the summer um, in order to take advantage of you know, buying them 15% cheaper than afterwards. Um, this is what we think a lot of, a lot of companies did. They'd be idiotic not to. Uh, now that's expired September the fifteenth, so some of that buying power has uh, ha has faded, and lo and behold, we've seen the ten-year tick up a little bit. Now there are other reasons as well. Um, you know, it's become the, the Fed talked at the end of August in uh, in um, uh, Jackson Hole, 
And there's been some speeches. I think the most important one was from Leo Brennard, uh, who was very dovish and said, no, look, we, we will move rates up if we see the right conditions. And so next week we've got the Fed meeting and, uh, yeah, no surprises that, uh, that they were going, they're going to increase rates and they're probably going to do it again in December. So uh, mm-hmm. I think that has helped as well. And we've seen, but, but the 10-year has held up extraordinarily well, even though it has gone to over 3% compared to the short end of the market. So, um yeah, so it remains to be seen, but it doesn't surprise us to have 3%. And we've had it before. Remember, this isn't the first time it's broken 3% since 2009. It's been t- over right. 3% many, many times. Right. It's just that it hasn't been above 3% for about uh, a year and a half at this point. Um, we've been keeping our eye on emerging markets. They've had a tough run here for really the most most of this year. What do we see happening in EM right now, and how do we see that continuing, or what is the outlook for the next couple of months? Well, I mean, there's no doubt that EM pressure is still is still there. You've got the individual stories of Turkey, um, Brazil, uh, Argentina, South Africa, and you know Venezuela as well. Now they're not they're not all emerging markets. They're not all the emerging market basket, but there is this feeling that some of these economies are, you know, having a pretty tough time. It's rates, it's inflation, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, um, it's foreign borrowing. It's, it's all the things that we've talked about. And at some point, people are kind of threading these stories together and seeing not such a great story in emerging markets. And then China, the China stock market has been, has now sort of entered officially bear territory. It's down 20% uh, this year. But I I don't think that that's driven by the by the tariff war argument because I think a large part of the Chinese economy, although we think of it as an export-driven economy, it is. But less than four percent—I might be wrong by a number, by a point or two—of mm-hmm. their domestic economy is being shipped to the U.S. There's a lot of other places which they export to, and there's a lot of domestic economies which are to- uh, companies which are totally unaffected by this. Everything, every state-owned enterprise, every state-owned bank and construction company and uh, um, insurance company and utility company—you know—which big part of the economies are are just totally uh, immune to this. And I think, um, so what's happening there is I think there's a slightly uh, tighter monetary policy. Mm -hmm. There's a a sort of, you know, reorientation of the economy, all of which I think would have led to a correction in the Chinese economy without the tariff problem. So, you know, that's getting to the point where it's looking pretty attractive. Uh, And that's the point about emerging markets is that they are volatile and at times when they're going to come to a price level where, you know, it's interesting to sort of, you know, get back in again. So mm-hmm. uh, I think, you know, given the relative valuations they're on today, plus their potential makes them an attractive investment. And as you know, we put in, we put in place this structured note, which limits the downside and also limits some of the long-term upside, but, you know, it kind of gives a more you know, moderate and less volatile way to invest in emerging markets. And that's essentially what we continue to do at this point. If you were a long-term investor, let's say, that had at least 10 years would you simply just ride this through, keep being invested in NEM? Are the long-term is the out, long-term growth outlook for most of these EM countries good and positive? Yes, uh, absolutely, unequivocally. I mean, uh, they they got demographics on their side. They've got relative growth rates on their side. They've got valuations on their side. Not all these markets are paragons of social responsibility and governance, for sure. 
but you know they are moving gradually in that direction where they're a better deal for shareholders. And uh, you know we have to face it. And I'm not a China expert, but I mean China is is evolving into a an economy the likes of which the world has never seen before, mm-hmm. and uh, not just in its size, but its intentions and political and economic scope as well. And so I think you know there will be money to be made for the Western investor on that. I think the tricky thing with with emerging markets is it's volatile. And trying to sort of get in at the bottom and out at the top is a mugs game. Mm-hmm. I and mean, it's extraordinarily difficult to do. And I think what one has to do is have a certain amount of, you know, faith in the core underlying story, which is which is in place and was certainly in place in 2017 to a very large degree. I mean, uh, but remember that even with the correction this year, uh, if you bought emerging markets in January in 2017, you're sitting on a near 30% gain today. You know, so your your forty percent gain six months ago has been eroded a little bit, but it's not. You know, it's not a time to uh, you know put pull all the stops out. And I think emerging markets, you know, is a core core investment for people. And just really, it's not. It's a question of how big that allocation is, depending on you know the kind of circumstances uh, and risk profile. Thank you very much, Christian. Thanks to you for for listening. Please don't forget that we do have our conference call coming up. Um, this next Tuesday, and we're going to be talking about uh, the midterm elections and what that means for markets. Thanks very much. Thank you, everybody. And here's the disclosure. Please note that this discussion of our investment investment trade, including our research investment process, represents our investment investment trade that this commentary is subject to change without notice. We cannot ensure the type of investments discussed in this commentary will outperform any other investment strategy in the future, nor can we guarantee that such investments will present the best or attractive risk-adjusted investment in the future. So for general information purposes only, references to individual securities should not be construed as recommendation to buy or sell at securities. Securities mentioned in this commentary are only several successful Unsuccessful investments by us do not represent all the securities we have purchased, sold, or recommended, although we deem reliable the sources of the statistical and other information referred to in this commentary. We cannot guarantee the accuracy or completeness of any statements on numerical data. Past performance is no indication of future results.